This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Good morning, Equalizer Extra subscribers. It's time for another episode of the Equalizer Podcast. Back on episode 54 of the Equalizer podcast, third segment of four, as we preview the 2019 NWSL season. We heard from Chelsea, we heard from Claire, and we'll get both of them back on for the final segment. But John Halloran is with me now. And John, you heard, I think, most of the first two segments. Um, do we sound like we know what we're talking about? Yeah, I think it was good. A couple of things we didn't mention. Um, Chicago. They've got, you know, we had the Tierna Davidson discussion a lot during the lead up to the draft anyway. Uh, what's your opinion of where that will land? Where, you know, where does Ertz play and how do they deploy Ertz, Davidson, Colaprico, et cetera? I think ultimately Ertz will probably end up in the midfield, um, but it's going to be tight because if you if you just look at it from uh, the point of view of a, of a math problem and you take Naughton. Davidson, Ertz, Colaprico, uh, DiBernardo, and Morgan Bryan, you have one too many players there to fit into a center back or a midfield role. Um, so either they have to get really creative and do something like a diamond midfield, which Chicago has done in the past, or a box midfield, or one of those players has to go to the bench. Um, now, maybe somebody will be hurt, and so you know maybe this will become a moot point. But that is really the trick because you have three center backs if you count Ertz in that group, but you have four center mids if you count Ertz in that group. So you've got to decide, I think, who gets left out, who doesn't have a chair when the music stops. Um, and so I do think she'll end up uh, in the midfield when all is said and done. Now, can't they figure out a Paul Riley style system of balancing one extra player? And just always figuring out how to make it work and having every player say, yes, I would rather come off the bench here than start anywhere else. I, I do. Um, now, you got to do I think, in my opinion, you have to do it in midfield. You don't want to be changing out your center. Right, back. I agree. Um, so if you do that, you have to commit to Davidson and Naughton being your center back pairing. Um, I guess maybe you could rotate through the back line because Ertz can, can do both. But I just wouldn't sub your center back. Um, but maybe you could do a rotation where Ertz switches in between the, the and there are other, uh, you know, factors here. Obviously Morgan Bryan has struggled to stay fully fit. Um, so how much she'll be available the way Colaprico plays, she gets banged up. Um, the way Ertz plays, she gets banged up. Um, 
so, you know, and Davidson probably will be coming off of a World Cup where she will have picked up some minutes. So maybe this is, you know, again, maybe this is just an intellectual question that never actually ends up, um, you know, something that Rory has to decide because maybe that just gets decided for him based on who's fit. And I also think if you look back to Emily Sonnet in 2016 when she was the number one pick, and basically played straight through and then went to the Olympics. I thought she really tailed off at the end of that uh, league season for the Thorns, and I wonder if Davidson might have a similar issue. I think she's been on the team now longer than Sonnet was at that point, and I don't know how much she'll play once they get to France, but that's a long run for a player who's basically used to college seasons and a little cup of coffee here and there with the national team to be asked to go from college, and then she was hurt, I guess, so she was rehabbing, but she's pretty much been going nonstop with the U.S., in with the Red Stars, then to the World Cup, and then back. That can be a lot to ask of a player. Yeah, and I think the thing with her, too, is that even though it seems like she's fully fit, I don't think anybody would argue that she's at top form. Um, certainly not from where we saw her in the spring of 2018. Um, and, you know, obviously she got hurt, and, um, you know, something is is not quite back to where it was, but because she was she – was, even when she was, I think she was 19 at that point, was incredible in the She Believes Cup in 2018 against the best teams in the world. She has not been at that level over the past few months. She hasn't, though I do think, I think we all agree that whether she's better than Dal Kemper is up for debate, but she has a better um, rapport with Sauerbrunn on the field than Dal Kemper does. You know, honestly, I don't know. I, I, you know, you're coming off a game where you just gave up three goals. You're coming off a she believes where you gave up two goals to two different teams. I'm not True. sure I have really any answers right now. All right, last thing on the Red Stars, um, Cola Prico and Ertz have been historically kind of oil and water in the midfield together. Do they need to be kept a fair distance apart if they put, if you put Ertz up in the midfield, or is there a possible still you think that could work out? It depends, you know, and I know. Um, Claire is a big fan of, of putting Colaprico at the six and Ertz at the eight. And that's kind of what we saw in, um, in Portland in one of the preseason games. And I know that those weren't streams, so not everybody got to see it, but they did play those two in the midfield together. Um, they did get overrun a little bit early in that match against Portland. Um, so I'm not sure it worked, but obviously Portland also has Lindsey Horan, um, and it did seem that even though they were set up sort of as a double pivot, that Ertz was taking more of that eight role than Colaprico was. But I think you're right in that both Ertz and Colaprico, in my opinion, are best as a six. Um, so you've got to figure out how you make that work. And the way that they made that work last year was by pushing Ertz into the back line again. Now let's bounce around a little bit. Um, I asked this to Claire, but I'll ask you in Utah, what happens if Rodriguez and Stengel tear it up and then press, who doesn't, let's be honest, doesn't work well with Rodriguez, what do you do? You know, I think the interesting thing for me is that press has played really well in the wing for the U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. lately. And that is not something I would have said um, for maybe the six months before that and certainly would not have said that about her season last year in Utah. So I don't know if that is just her in a good vein of form. If that's a difference between the way that Ellis and Harvey want their wide players uh, to, to perform that role, if that's a difference in what they're given from their midfield in that role. But um, I don't think anybody would doubt that press looks incredibly hungry right now. 
And I think if she is playing like that in the World Cup, um, that she can make that role work, uh, even if it is in one of those wide spots. I think we know that Harvey wants to play a three front. I just don't think she's figured out how to do it with the personnel that she has. No, see, when I look at Press playing for the U.S., she, yeah, this is her best run of form against good competition probably ever. But I feel like she thrives coming off the bench, and I don't know that that would necessarily translate to playing in Utah trying to do that for 90 minutes. Or maybe it's just a mentality that she has off the bench that she needs to bring with her when she starts. Yeah, I don't know. You know, because in Chicago – you know, she was obviously a 90 minute player and, and she had great years in Chicago. Um, I just think that what they've asked her to do, um, at least when she was playing the nine role for the national team was not what she's good at. And she plays that role fine or did play that role fine in Chicago when she wasn't asked to be a hold up forward. Cause I don't right. think she was people- the player they were going to to score goals. End of conversation. Um, and so, I think if, if Utah can figure out how to let her have that freedom to just look to get in behind, because the other thing that when she played in Chicago, that was the, the, those were in the days when Chicago played with that diamond midfield. And, and usually Vanessa DiBernardo was pushed up really high and that forced the forwards to play fairly wide. So a lot of times press would play off the back shoulder of one of the center backs, which is not that different from what a wide player would do if the nine is checking back into space. So let's say Rodriguez is playing the center forward position. She checks back into that space. You want your wide players then to be looking to make runs into those inside channels, which we know press can do. It's just that, you know, for whatever reason, whether it was, you know, that she went over to Europe for a bit or that her and Rodriguez, you know, just didn't figure it out or whether the whole situation in Utah being in the first year, but you're right. I mean, it didn't look good last year but I don't necessarily think that that means it can't look good for them this year. And it probably all boils down to Vera Boquette, right? If she can distribute the ball better, then all of a sudden both of their runs look a lot better than they did last season. It it is always better to look good as a forward if you got somebody who's giving you good balls. And a couple other things. Courage. Um, Any chance they can be? I know Paul Riley told you they'd be better. I don't know. know, I don't know what else he's supposed to say, but – um, can they run away with it again? Will they get bored or is anybody good enough to actually hang with them? I don't think when they're at full strength, anybody is better than them. Um, you know, obviously in the playoffs, anything can happen in a one-off game. I do think, and I did catch, you know, a little bit of your guys segment. I, they, they can definitely could be in for a rough period during the world cup because they're losing their entire spine. They're losing Urseg. They're losing Dahl Kemper. They're losing Mewis. They're probably going to lose Zerboni. They're losing Dunn. They're losing Dabinia. They're losing McDonald. It looks like you just, you can't go right up the middle of a team like that because in, for me, um, I look at Portland and the fact that Portland losing Haran, I think will probably be the single biggest loss for any team because she is the cog that that team depends on. North Carolina is losing their entire middle of the field. And I don't see how you can play through that, no matter how much you've prepared for that. So you say probably Zerboni. I'm starting to think Zerboni might be on the wrong end of the bubble. Yeah, and I heard that too. I, I, and again, I, I don't think that your analysis of the pool is wrong, but I will say that's an absolutely insane decision. 
<laughs> she is. She has to be uh, on the roster. She just gives you too much. She's a great six. She's a pretty good eight. Um, I've seen enough of, of little bits of their training sessions to see the leadership that she brings, even at the national team play, uh, national team where she's not a marquee player. She is, is pumping people up. She is so positive. She has an incredible energy level. I don't know how you wouldn't look at a player like that and say, I don't even care if she doesn't play a single minute. She makes us a better team. Well, not to get sidetracked, but Ellis doesn't exactly rotate 23 either. So not getting on the field for a couple of games doesn't necessarily put you on the back end because she's only playing 17, 18 players. And I think with 23, you can have space for a player that doesn't play but brings leadership or a teenager that isn't going to play, but you want to get some experience. But I digress. Um Anything that we haven't brought up that catches your eye, whether it be a, a team that you think will surprise being good, surprise being not good, can Sky Blue get out of their own way? I, you know, I don't think Sky Blue necessarily has the depth that they need to. Um, I, I will say that last year I thought they had talent and they underperformed that talent. This year, I don't think they have the talent. They just lost too much. Um you know, whether that's Groom or Johnson or Gibbons, they just they just lost too many players leaving uh, and certainly didn't bring in enough quality to, to make up for that. Their top two draft picks are not with the team. Um, I'm interested to see Washington because the uh, I can't remember Burke. I think he compared himself to was it Einstein? Um, I know he, he said they're going to win the whole thing. I know that. Um Listen, that's another team that underperformed last year because they had a lot. They had way more talent uh, than than their results showed. So if this guy is the real deal, then they should have a pretty decent season because, you know, they have Sullivan, they have Pew, they have Hatch, they have they have some pieces there um, that should be okay. So if this guy really is as good as he thinks he is, um, they should have a decent season for me. The, the dark horse, and, and I've been saying this for the past couple months, is Houston. When I look at the fact that they are probably going to have Jane Campbell, Amber Brooks, Haley Hansen, Kaylee High, Sophia Huerta. Um, I think I'm missing one in there. But they're, they have Nairn uh, this year. I think they have seven players who have caps with the U.S. senior team. Um and that should all be there during the World Cup. So I think in Mewis coming back, um, I, I think she got 30 minutes yesterday. That is a team that could really do well um, when when everybody is missing players. And I know that they have some Canadian internationals and uh, and Polkinghorn for Australia, but uh, I, I, I would see them doing very well. Um, and then the last one, Seattle, was a team that I was really impressed with seeing them out in Portland. And I know that they're, they have... They're going to lose players um, with the World Cup, too. But uh, Darian Jenkins looked really good out there. I think that's going to be a big pickup for them. Um, you still have Bev Yanez. You still have Shea Groom. Um, you know, Lauren Barnes in the back. Uh, you've got a nice complement of, of players and um, maybe mid-tier, just below national team level players that will be there. So they could make a really nice run as well during uh, May and June. They're not Seattle anymore, though. Claire will. Uh, yep. Sorry, Rain FC. Claire okay. will give you some detention points for that. <laughs> um, call me uh, Bridgeview Red Stars, then I suppose. <laughs> um, before we end this one, uh, you and I talk about this on the side a lot, but 
year seven of the league. They have no TV deal. They have no communications director. They have not added a national sponsor in quite some time. Um, they, I don't think, have formally even announced the Yahoo streaming deal or details of the Yahoo streaming deal. Um, what's going on with the league? Is this, uh, you know, if you talk to people on the download, they'll say, oh, it's great. It's going to be a great year. We got a lot of good stuff coming. Can't tell you what it is, right. but it's coming. Yeah, you know, it was funny because I read your your WPS piece that came out maybe a week and a half ago. And yep. you had mentioned in that piece that you were having a conversation with another reporter and, you know, asked about how long they thought WPS would last. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they said three years and or I think it was three years, right? Yeah, exactly. Folded right on the money again. And um, I'll tell you that I've been pretty bullish about NWSL. Um, and I don't think we're at a panic stage, but I would say that this has been the off season that's probably worried me more than any other because, you know, there's been good stuff, right? They they raised the minimum pay again, which I think is good. Um, there was the C license course, so it seems like there's an effort. You know, Utah. Uh, that was uh, that's, that's Amanda Duffy calling me. To- <laughs> <laughs> Tell me everything's good with the league. Yeah. Go ahead, keep going. The, the the players association got recognized, which was good. Um, but the Yahoo thing in particular seemed like it was going to be a big step up from Go90 when they announced it uh, at the final. But the way it was announced, which was just in a response to a reporter's question, and there was no rollout, there was nothing. That's right. Uh, it was so bizarre. And then and then at the draft, they still had no more details. I think Thursday of this week was the first time that we saw anything official put out there, which to me is crazy because you're, you're, you're nine days from kickoff and you're finally just starting to let your fans know how they can watch the games because they lost the lifetime deal. So, you know, you don't have a way for fans to access the game other than streaming. So you have to make sure that that is something that's put out there early and often, and they didn't do it. Um, And then the other thing, as you mentioned, is that there's a lot of silence right now. There's been, you know, we know there's been some shakeups at NWSL Media in New York. Uh, We know that the league spokesperson left and they haven't uh, at least officially replaced him yet. So it's been difficult, uh, even for those of us who know some of the people behind the scenes to get answers to, to basic questions. And I don't know if that is the owners that aren't investing in the infrastructure of the league office or if this is just some higher level of dysfunction. But it, it doesn't, for me, in a World Cup year, this is the year you want to be out there pushing your product, getting ready to sign some major sponsors, pushing the envelope, taking this to the next level. And it really feels like stagnation, if not even a slight regression from where we've been the last year or two. Yeah, I agree. We're not at a panic state, but I'm not sure. We're not over the hump. And I think we've started to go the wrong way. And that needs to be leveled off a little bit and kind of soon. And they, a lot of opportunities missed after the 2015 World Cup. Um, you know, a lot of people disagree with me that I don't think there will be as many opportunities this time around, but there will be some they need to be taken advantage of. This need, The league needs a higher profile on the other end of the World Cup than it has right now. And I don't know if you watch any CONCACAF Champions League on Yahoo, but I can tell you nobody who doesn't go looking for these streams is going to find it based on my experience trying to get to those CONCACAF streams. 
Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because I've had the same experience on ESPN Plus when you're trying to find the W League games. Like if you don't have a direct link to it, you know, unless you're you, I think in some cases they were even under the A League. So you yeah, to, I think you're right. You had to go to the men's league to find the women's league. So you, you know, unless you're Indiana Jones of the internet, sometimes it's pretty tough to find this stuff. And if you're not looking for it, then you're definitely not going to find it. Yeah. And that's the key. You need to bring in people that are not fans right now. Got to get your new fans involved. All right. Um, thanks, John. We'll bring Chelsea and Claire back in, and uh, we'll tell you who we think will be in the playoffs and lifting that trophy come the end of the season. This is episode 54 of the Equalizer podcast. Episode 54 of the Equalizer podcast, and the gang's all here. I'm Dan. We've got John. We'll bring back Chelsea and Claire. And Claire's just all over us for the segment she hasn't been on so far. Um, <laughs> lamenting that we said Seattle a couple times, and now we realize that we haven't mentioned Orlando yet when we talked about the teams that didn't make the playoffs. So since you thought of it, I'm going to ask you, do they have a chance to get back in the top four? I, I, th- I think the answer is no. Um, but, I, well, I mean, I think the fact that we didn't think of them is an indicator, perhaps, of where we rank them. Uh, the thing I didn't realize, I was looking at last year's results. I didn't, did they slip into seventh last year? I think they did. That was how they ended. I just think, we haven't seen any, obviously they have a new coach, so hard to guess exactly how he's going to be putting things together. Obviously they got slammed by North Carolina in the preseason four to nothing. Um, they're missing some pieces for the World Cup, but not as many as some other teams. I don't know. I just, that's another team that I just don't see getting a cohesive groove going. I think it's still probably going to be some pretty disconnected soccer, despite the fact that I think that they have not only some obvious, uh, international and national team talent, but I think that their core, you know, NWSL talent is, 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 pretty good as well um so i yeah i don't know i think orlando's not going to be a major player i just think that i i mostly agree but i think it when you've got marta and morgan yeah. they can win you a game even when you play lousy which is the opposite of what happened last year they played well a lot and lost yeah um you know harris can occasionally win you a game so all right let's um we got everybody here so we don't want to step all over each other i'm going to read um two Twitter folks sent in their predictions for playoff teams and whatnot. John Corman says playoff teams, North Carolina, Portland, Chicago, Houston, champion, North Carolina, Golden Boot, Lynn Williams, MVP, Kalia, Ojai. And Courtney says playoff teams, North Carolina, the range, Chicago, Houston, Golden Boot, Lynn Williams, MVP, Lynn Williams. If Williams does win the MVP, she'll be the first person to win it multiple times. Um the four of us are all part of the NWSL Media Association, and we uh, were recently asked to fill out a survey. So we're going to, I think we're just going to go through these questions and we'll just go roundtable style um, and answer them. So, four playoff teams. And, John, since you were on the last segment, you can go first here. Who are your four playoff teams? Uh, the Courage, uh, Rain FC, Houston, and Chicago. Claire? 
Those are mine as well. Chelsea? Courage, Chicago. Uh, way, way to come prepared for this question. There's because this, there's like, I'm trying to decide which two out of the three. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go crazy and say Houston and Portland. All right. That's good because I'm going with the with uh, John and Claire and I've got Houston coming in and the rain going out. I'm not totally comfortable with that, but I do think it's between those five. I don't know. Utah, maybe um, I've got North Carolina repeating John. North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. I think uh, if North Carolina makes it to the playoffs, which is the only that the only way they wouldn't win the championship is if for whatever reason they don't have enough points to make it to the postseason. Wow. Okay. Um, MVP, 2019 Most Valuable Player. We'll just keep going. John, Claire, Chelsea, in that order. Lynn Williams. Uh, yeah, I'm on the I'm on the Huerta train. I think she's gonna rip it up. Yeah, Huerta. Wow, I thought I'd be unique with Huerta, but that, that's my pick, too. I think the best player on a team that will thrive during a time when a lot of the best players won't be there. Golden Boot? Lynn Williams, and that's why I think she also gets the MVP, just because uh, we're lazy like that. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to—I like Williams, too. Williams or Ojai? No, no, I think we've we've broken the trend of giving the MVP to Golden Boot, and I hope it stays broken for the majority of the seasons going forward. Um, so, oh, hi for the golden boot. I've got the same thing with the trend being broken, and I've got Lynn Williams for the golden boot. But I do agree, John, that if she wins the boot and the courage are good, there's a pretty decent chance she'll be the MVP. Rookie of the year. Davidson, just because I don't think anybody's going to step up with a high profile. Yeah, I agree. Sadly, I think it's going to be the most famous one, which is Davidson. Yeah, I think given previous voting trends, it's it's going to be the high-profile Davidson. You guys are probably right, but I think I put DiBiase in my poll just because Davidson won't be there for a real long time. Can I just say that it's it's probably going to be similar to, I think, we've seen previous seasons where it probably should be someone on a struggling team that, that probably doesn't get as much attention, but it's probably going to go to Davidson. Yeah, Davidson won't score either, but neither will DiBiase, so that logic makes no sense. Um, best keeper, French. Uh, I could see Lydia Williams, maybe. I, I still think Barnhart's extremely consistent. I'm L- Lydia Williams. I think she should have been keeper of the year last season. Best defender, Brown. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think probably. Because all the best defenders aren't going to be there. Oh, actually, you know what? Flyer for Teresa Nielsen, maybe. She'll be there all year. Mm. I I was fully on board the Ursag train last year, and, and even though she's not going to be there, I don't see that changing much. I think Ursag won correctly Defender of the Year, but I still think Sauerbrunn's better. And I think Hinkle and Catley outside are pretty darn good also. Best midfielder? Haran. Yeah. Agreed. Mewis. Mm. Good show. Interesting. Uh, I think it's hard to get by Haran. Uh, full season of Mewis, though. Might I thought it was Mewis two years ago. So a full season of Mewis. But right now I go Haran. Best forward. Kerr. Yeah, Sam Kerr. Mm. Oh, I thought this was the easiest one. It is. I'm, I'm wondering 
I'm trying to, to evaluate best forward overall or best forward at NWSL because overall, I still think Alex Morgan has an edge in the NWSL. It's definitely Sam Kerr. Okay. Um, I think it's Sam Kerr all the way. Toughest player in the NWSL. Julie Ertz. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, Zerboni maybe. Yeah, I'm going to go Zerboni. Zerboni certainly up there. Shea Groom is up there. Um, best leader in the NWSL. Sauerbrunn. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I like that. I would also maybe, maybe Ertz. I like Ertz, too. Shit. Um, Christine Sinclair. Get ready to put that E back. I don't know. Yeah, Sinclair's a good one, too. Sinclair's a really good one. After after all that, you took my Sinclair answer? Well, yeah. Unselfish player, moves all over the place, never misses a game or a minute. Very underappreciated athlete. Um, Best international player in the NWSL? Sam Kerr. Uh, yeah, Kerr, Kerr's the easy one there, I think. Yes, but... it's, I'm not going to hold it up this time, Sam Kerr. Yeah. Yeah, Marta may be on the wrong side of the hill. I think it's Sam Kerr. Most underrated player in the NWSL. Colaprico. Di Bernardo. Menges. I'm all Colaprico here. With a lit, uh, I just had somebody else in my head and it just went complete. Oh, Estelle Johnson gets a little bit of a, um, honorable mention from me. What active international player would you most like to see join the NWSL? Ada Hegerberg. I got to start going first on these. That's my answer, too. (laughs) Yeah, I think Hegerberg's good. Um, I would like to see, I don't know, maybe this is very boring, but I'd love to see Kim Little come back. Uh, Medima. How about Buhati? I think she would add a lot lot of flair to a lot of these games. She'd add something. Yeah. I don't know if she could, I don't know if she would get a job. The keeper pool's pretty deep over here, but that, that'd be fun. It would be a silly use of an international spot too. Um, what market would you most like to see NWSL expand to in the future? LA, and I think uh, it could have just some terrifically entertaining, but not good teams. I think there'd be <laughs> so many players, especially high-profile players, that would want to go there and maybe not play well together. The the Lakers of NWSL. Yes. Um, I like LA. Mine is kind of a different. I want to see something in, in, I think Cincinnati would be great. Um, somewhere, anywhere on the West Coast. So it's LA or, or Vancouver. I'd like to see Canada get in there. I put Minneapolis, which is kind of along the same lines as Claire, just like a a city that's not on anybody's radar. And, and I also have this belief, as I've said many times, that the league should be in cities where they can get the back page of the paper. Yeah. I don't know what city that is, but it's certainly not L.A. Um, but I do think L.A. seems like it's a matter of um, when, not if. Um, who's going to win the World Cup? France. Yeah, France. France. Ooh, United States will win the Could World Cup. Could you be in a homer? <laughs> yeah, I'm the. I mean, I'm the I, I think I think whoever homer. wins that quarterfinal is going to win the whole thing. You guys really think seriously that France can play free enough at home? I I think that you could take probably five teams and make an argument for or against every single one of them on an, in sort of an any given day thing. Um, if I had France, 
U.S. and then probably behind them, uh, England. Okay. Um, what NWSL player are you most looking forward to watching at the World Cup? Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Kerr tear it up on a, yeah. on a large stage. That's probably the obvious answer. I can't even come up with. Um, I always like to watch Sinclair play for Canada, so just to mix it up. But yeah, Sam Kerr easily. Um, who will step up the most for her NWSL team during the World Cup? I think we've all answered that one with our other answers. Yeah, it's going to be Huerta. Mm-hmm. Right? We all think Huerta, Williams, and Ojai in some combination. Mm-hmm. I think Sullivan could be a big piece for Washington, too. If she's there. If she's there. And uh, last one, which NWSL team had the best offseason moves? I think Chicago, just because they picked up Davidson and Katie Johnson, who I both think are going to be huge players for them this year. Yeah, I think just by numbers alone. I'd also say, I don't know, the rain maybe. They got Groom and Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of I kind of like uh, what the rain have done. There's not a lot to go around, right? I will There's say, no- though, the shout-out to Sky Blue to actually getting some defenders. Okay, that's fair. And um, I think if Boquette plays well, that could be a difference maker in Utah, which is another team we haven't mentioned. Nairn and Houston, maybe. Mm, that depends on which Nairn they get. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not as big on Nairn as some other people are. I think she could be, but yeah. I think um, she's up and down. But maybe she'll get a little post-trade motivation going. The players right. very excited about. Clarkson down there too so who knows what he gets out of her yeah he seems to have made all the right moves so far it's just a matter of can he get the tactics and in-game adjustments right once the once the games actually start so all right any parting shots on the season most looking forward to least looking forward to where do we think the final is going to be Utah Utah that'd be nice I could go out there again yeah I I think uh, (laughs) it's going to be the the first NWSL snow final. <laughs> yeah, Utah. Be, I mean, we've got the list, right? There's, I think Utah is on the list. I think North Carolina is on the list somewhere. Um, yeah. It was the thought that Courage would get it as kind of a make-do for not getting the semi last year. I don't know that it really makes up for it. Any chance they scrapped the format because of no more television? Mm. You mean the neutral site format? Yeah. I would I like that, not. too. Well, we still don't know if somebody might come in and pick it up at the end, right? Like ESPN did last year? It's, yeah. Uh, I think it's likely. I, so that that yeah. post-World Cup thing. I yeah, think, pick up the last six games. Or I think that, that. This, the postseason will be televised. Yeah, Me too. I, I am 100%, though, in favor of a early predetermined neutral site yep. for the championship every year. Make it into an event. Give people like us plenty of time to to make our travel arrangements even the fans you know you can't that you're you're even your opposing fans are going to have a hard time figuring that out right on six days notice for sure and by early i'm assuming you mean earlier than now like yeah by the beginning but at the beginning of the season we should know where it's going to end up i agree i think by the end of the previous season we should know where it's going to end up right it should have been a see you in utah next year 
sort of yeah, thing. Well, the funny we, thing is, it probably is. There's probably, as Claire kind of alluded to, there's probably a list out there. They've got, they know where they're, they're where they're going to go and where they're not going to go. They just need to confirm it and make the announcement and everyone can move on with their lives. Yeah, you would like to think that'd be the case. And, and in terms of making it into an event, they don't do a lot in the city. So I'd like to see them do more, but there's not a lot of logistics, I don't think, that would go into it. So, all right. Well, that, uh, I guess, is going to wrap up our 2019 NWSL preview. The season kicks off on Saturday. We will get that Portland, North Carolina, uh, sorry, Chicago, North Carolina matchup in North Carolina. No hurricanes bearing down on the area this time around. And Yahoo Sports will stream all four matches from week one and until further notice, as we get a national TV deal announced at some point in time. So thanks to Chelsea, Claire, and John. I'm Dan. We'll talk to you next week, and we'll have week one games to review on the Equalizer podcast. Thank you for listening to the Equalizer podcast. Views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Equalizer Soccer. We thank you for listening and hope to see you next time. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.